Good morning, everybody. Do you feel good? You look good. Tell your neighbor you look good. Come on. It's okay to lie in church every once in a while. If it's... If it makes somebody feel better about themselves, you know, I'm expecting some of that after the service when somebody tells me that it was a good message. So I am thrilled to be here. Um, what an incredible weekend it has been. I really hope, uh, ladies, that we have sent your husbands back to you better than you sent them to us this weekend. Um, I hope that, that students, kids in the room, I hope we've sent your dads back better than the way you sent them to us. And it really was a great, great weekend. What a great group of guys, every generation here, worshiping, leaning in, wanting to grow, wanting to grow deeper in their walk with Christ, and really wanting to be the men that God has called them to be. This is a special church. I don't know if you know that, but I've had my opportunity to be in many churches in 20 years of ministry. Not every place is like this. Not every place has this spirit. Not every place has the joy that, that is here. Not every place, come on, has the pastor that you guys have here. And if there's anything that I've seen over and over again, not just in my conversations with Pastor Scott over the last few years, texting back and forth and talking shop, but being able to be here firsthand, it's to see that he and Megan love you. They love you. Like they, they like the church and they, they enjoy what they do, but it's just so, so easy to see that they love you guys. Don't take that for granted. Will you let your pastors know that, that you love them back? Come on. Tell them. Absolutely. You guys are a blessing. You're a blessing to this community for 22 years. And um, we know what it's like. My wife, Kristen, in fact, I think we have a picture. I don't know if we got a picture this morning. of This is my family. Uh, my wife, Kristen, and I have been married for 21 years. We planted, we planted a church as well 15 years ago, just east of Indianapolis. And so we know what it's like to be a church planter. And, um, and so it's extra work. It's an extra labor of love. And um, so, so God's blessed us with three kids. We have three. They're girl, boy, boy. Emery Kate is 17. Um, Drew, who's with me, everybody wave, say hi, Drew. <laughs> Drew is 15. And my youngest son, Cooper, um, hopefully has decided to put on deodorant and wear underwear today <laughs> when he left the house. Um, he's 12. He's 12. And um, he's the most fun. I just, that's true. I mean, we had a great time last night at the game, but, um, but Cooper, he's a whole lot of fun. And so we just all love pastoring together and um, it's a joy. And, and really, I'm thrilled to be able to be here with you guys this weekend. I, I'm, I remember years ago when we planted the church and we were launching small groups and we were kind of open to any type of group if you wanted to lead a group. And so we had a gentleman in the church. Um, I was young. I mean, I was 28, maybe 29 years old. And he was in his early, mid-50s, kind of a short, stocky little guy. And uh, he, said, he said, Pastor Adam, I'm, I teach Christian martial arts. Would it be possible to do a small group here at the church that, that teaches Christian martial arts? And I thought, 
I mean, that sounds pretty cool, right? I mean, you get to like punch people in the name of Jesus. I'm... <laughs> Let's do that. And so he said, before we do, I want you to come downtown Indianapolis. We have like our headquarters for the national headquarters of, of the Christian Martial Arts Association. And you can meet like the grand master, you know, Shidoshi, uh, Mr. Miyagi fella. And you will come introduce. And I thought, that sounds awesome. I want to meet him, you know. So that he takes me down there and he shows me all around this big old building. And they had this room for Taekwondo and this room for Jiu-Jitsu. And they had this room for working out and exercising. And they were showing me different moves and... And then at the end of the evening, this fella, he says, so Pastor Adam, if you want, we can box. You want to box? And I thought, oh, sweet Denzel. You know, his name is Denzel. Denzel, you know, this little, little man, he's, he's, he's old enough to be my dad, you know. And I said, I don't know. Are you sure you want to do that? He says, yeah, yeah, if you want to, let's box. I said, okay, let's do it. So we threw some gloves on and we got in the ring and, you know, I mean, it had been a minute, but all of my boxing experience just came back to me. Every Rocky movie I'd ever seen, <laughs> right? And so I'm young and spry, man, I'm floating like a butterfly, ready to sting like a bee. I'm like, this is going to be good. Little Denzel, we'll just take it easy on him, right? And so we're kind of trading jabs here and there, and I'm smiling, and we're, I'm kind of chuckling, and he's, he's having fun. And I remember, boom, I tagged him, right? And in my head, I was like, he felt that. I know he felt that. And I'm, so I'm feeling good. And so eventually, though, Something happens, I, my, my gloves drop just a bit, and he, boom, poof. I mean, he catches me right in the face. And my bell was rung. Anybody ever had your bell rung? Y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I mean, I played football. I didn't box, but I played, I played high school football. In fact, I went to school. I wanted to be a football coach. That's what I went to school for. So I knew what it was like to have my bell rung. The difference in football is when you get your bell rung, you have about 40 seconds to figure out who you are, <laughs> where you're at, and if you should go to the sidelines or back to the huddle, right? And so when he caught me and it rung my bell, my initial reaction was just like, whoo, that was a good one, you know? The problem with boxing is just because you get your bell rung doesn't mean the round is over. So when I dropped my gloves, it was like fist of fury on my face. And I'm going, wait, wait, stop, stop, stop. I'm time out, time out, time out. He said, there's no timeout in boxing. And I realized the only way to get out of this thing was to fall to the mat. Hit the deck. And that's exactly what I did. And then in boxing, there's what's called the 10 count, right? You get punched hard. You fall to the mat. The referee starts counting. One, two, three. And if he gets to 10, what happens? You're out. You are KO'd. The fight is over. How many of you know life can be a fight? Life can be a fight. 
How, how many of you know, though, it wouldn't make for a very good message if I said, and when you get punched real hard and hit the deck, the referee counts to 10 and you're done. You're out. Lord bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon. No, 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 no. Because here's, here's the thing. When I was laying there on that mat, it dawned on me that just because I took a big punch, just because I had gone to the ground, just because the referee was counting, if at any time I can get back to my feet before that referee gets to 10, it's a reset. It's a whole new fight. It's like a fresh start. It's not over. I'm still in it. I haven't lost a thing as long as I can get back to my feet. And what I believe God brought me here today to tell you is that just because you may have experienced some tough fights in life, maybe you've taken some real shots. Maybe you've had some real blows to the face. But just because you're down, it doesn't mean you're out. Just because you're down. Now, in my church, somebody would have said amen right there. I don't know how they do it in the north, some north here. But I'll try again. So practice. I said, just because you're down, it doesn't mean you're out. Amen. Somebody, now you're catching on. This is good. I don't want the referee to get to 10 in my life. Just because I go through a hard time, just because I'm down, just because I've taken a shot, right? I want to stay in the fight. I want to make it to the next round, right? So somebody tell your neighbor, it's not over, okay? It's not over. We're just getting started. I believe that God wants to do something new in you. I believe God wants to do something new in your family. I believe God wants to do a new thing here at Pathway. So I want to go to Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43. And the Lord is speaking through Isaiah. He's a prophet. That's what a, a prophet speaks, but really it's the Lord speaking through them. And so the Lord is speaking to the people of Judah. I say Judah. I'll give you, this is important. I'll give you some context here in just a moment. So the Lord is speaking, Isaiah 43, verse 18. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. It says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field will honor me. The jackals and the ostriches. I don't know what that means, but it just feels holy, doesn't it? Come on, the ostriches. In Jesus' name. Because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. That's you. You are chosen by God. This people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. If you have been formed by God, you are to declare his praise. Come on, can we just do that right now? Come on, just praise the Lord. Come on, just tell him, you're awesome, God. We praise you, Jesus. 
Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Yes. In the church I grew up in, there was a little bit of soul. We called that a praise break. You know, I mean, we just have a praise break right there. So let me give you some context around this scripture. Okay. The, the nation of Israel, you may know, hundreds of years earlier, had gone through a civil war and it was divided into two, Israel and Judah. And at this point in the history of the, the nation of Israel, the Israelites had been taken away into captivity into Assyria. They had been rebelling against the Lord, and because of their rebellion, the Lord allowed them to be overtaken by the Assyrians and, and shipped off, taken away into captivity as slaves. And their brothers and sisters in Judah are watching on and going, nah, 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 you know. Too bad for you. That's not going to happen to us. We're Judah, right? We are the home of Jerusalem, Zion. Come on. Oh, this is the Lord's city. And, and we're set up on a hill. And they weren't living like it, but they were proud of it. They felt like they were above anything bad happening to them. And Isaiah comes along as the prophet. And he says, no, 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 no. Don't think you're too big for your britches. Don't, don't, start, don't start thinking you are above the Lord's reproach. Don't think that, that you cannot be disciplined like your siblings in Israel. In fact, he says, you're going to be carried off. You're going to go through a hard time. You're going to be taken away in captivity. The people don't want to believe it. And even in the midst, though I like this, even in the midst of this warning of bad times coming, of hard times coming. The Lord wants his children to know that just because you go through a tough time, it doesn't mean that I have forgotten you. It doesn't mean that I have given up on you. It doesn't mean that I've turned my back on you. I still have a plan and I will redeem you. I will do a new thing in you in that season. And so as I look at this passage of scripture, I see three ways that the Lord says he will lift them back up. Three ways that we can get back up, even when we are going through a hard time, even when we've hit the mat, even when our bell has been rung. How many of you know over the last couple years, our bell's been rung a few times? Maybe your bell's been rung this week or this month. Maybe it was a report from a doctor. Maybe it was something the boss is saying at work. Maybe it's as you're starting to run numbers at the end of your business uh, um, year, your, your calendar year. Maybe it's something going on with the kids. The principal's called and you're just like, I just can't even believe and I don't know why. Maybe it's a marriage thing, a relationship thing. I don't know what it is, but maybe you are down. I'm here to tell you, you're not out. I want to give you three ways to get back up. Three ways to get back up. The first one is don't hold. Somebody say, don't hold. Don't hold. What did Isaiah say? What did the Lord say through Isaiah? Verse 18. He said, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Don't hold the things of old. Don't hold on 
to the old things, the former things, the past things. Why? Because holding on to your past will keep you from experiencing your future. When you hold on to your past, it's going to keep you from moving forward into what God has for you in your future. He's got something great for you. But if you're always looking backwards, you're never going to get there. I, I had some fun this weekend. I told the guys some hillbilly jokes. Guys, you want to hear a hillbilly joke? Can I just share one? I, you know, we're in Indian. We're the Hoosiers. And so we kind of, we like to make fun of our friends in south of the Ohio River in Kentucky. They're hillbillies, right? We're Hoosiers. And, and uh, so I'd sell these hillbilly jokes. And so one day, hillbilly, he's got this grudge going on with the neighbor down the road, across, across the river, and um, the, the Hoosier, you know, across the river. And, um, and old hillbilly tells his wife, he says, I'll tell you right now, if Clarence over there keeps it up, I'm going to whoop his hind end. Someday they ever build a bridge across that river, I'm going to walk across that river, and I'm going to stomp old Clarence into the ground. Well, sure enough, few years go by and that's exactly what they did. They built a river right across, right, or a bridge right across that river. And so Hillbilly's wife says, hey, Billy, you saw they built that, they built that there bridge. You're going to go stomp old Cleveland. He, Billy gets up and says, I'm, you best believe I am. I'm going to stomp right over there. I'm going to stomp old Clarence right into the ground. So he gets dressed and he starts marching across that bridge. Well, about halfway across, he looks up and there's a big old sign. Hillbilly reads that sign. He turns right around. He just marches himself right back home. Hillbilly's wife said, well, that was awful fast. You already stomped old Clarence in the ground? He said, no, I did not. She said, well, why didn't you do that? He said, I got halfway across that there bridge. I looked up and saw a sign. It said, Clarence, 15 feet, 6 inches. Clarence had grown a bit since the last time I seen him, and I ain't trying to get killed today. Hillbilly, hillbilly, holding on to this grudge, right? Holding on to this thing. Years going by, looking to the past. And we've got to let go of the things of old so that we can experience something new. But the past is so appealing. The past is a seductive mistress. It draws us in. We can't fall into that trap. Somebody needs to hear that today because you're having a hard time moving into your past because you're rel or moving into your future because you're relishing in the past. I wish it was still like the good old days. Oh, remember when we used to? Remember when, remember when, when worship used to? Remember we used to sing the real songs, right? Remember when church used to look like? Or maybe it's more serious. Remember when the family used to all still get together? Remember before the divorce? Remember before dad died? Remember back when business was good and we had money and we could enjoy things a little bit? Remember before things were broken and we're holding on to the past? We hold on to past hurt. We hold on to past pain. We hold on to past regrets. We hold on to past relationships. And you can't move forward if you're looking in the rearview mirror. 
And Jesus is saying, come on, get up. I know you're down, but you're down there wallowing in the past, wishing for what was. And I'm saying, get up, get on your feet. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Don't hold on to that past. Don't hold on to the past. But we like the past. Why? Because I think we hold on to our past, trying to formulate our future. We think if I see the past, then I can see what God is going to do in the future. Like he's going to do the same thing again. And we kind of wandering, wander around looking and trying to recreate what used to be. I, I, we had some kids come over this weekend um, it, from our small group. Whatever your preference is, please don't be offended. But we had them come over and go do some trick-or-treating. And one of the kids sat down and says, it just doesn't feel like it's actually Halloween. It just doesn't feel like it's actually, well, what do you mean you don't feel? Well, it just, it just doesn't, and his dad's like, we're doing the exact same thing we did last year. I don't know, it just doesn't feel the same. There's this tendency that we have that like, it just, it just never is what it was. We look back on the past as it's seeing it through rose-colored glasses, believing it was better probably than it actually was. And it keeps us from experiencing what God wants to do now, right now. And if you keep doing what you've always done in the past, you're going to keep experiencing the same thing in the future. Our bell gets rung, and what do we do? We picked up that bottle the last time, and the bottle helped me kind of wash away my tears, at least for the night. We go back to that. We, get, we take a blow. What do we do? Well, the last time, shopping on some Amazon, that sure was fun. I bought some stuff. I swiped that card. We just go back and do that again. Well, the package of double stuffed Oreos, it made me feel good. Hallelujah. <laughs> right? Whatever the things are. Pulled out my phone, got on my computer looking at stuff I shouldn't have been looking at. But it brought temporary relief from the stress and from the pain. We go back to the old. We go back to the old. We go back to the old. But listen. Scripture saying, don't hold the things of old. If you want to get back up, don't hold on to the past. Don't hold on to the past. The second thing we have to do is we have to behold. Somebody say, behold. behold. We got to behold. So, so Isaiah goes on, the Lord's speaking through him. He says, behold, I will do a new thing. When will it spring forth? Now. now. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Come on, rivers in the desert, roads in the wilderness. I am doing something new. Now it shall spring forth. Will you not know it? Are you going to miss it? Are you going to hold on to the past? Or are you going to behold what God is doing now? Are you going to be ready or are you going to be resting back on your heels, sitting around, wishing, wandering, waiting? I, I told you I went to school to be a football coach. That's what I wanted to do. And if there's anything about football, I don't know about boxing, obviously, but in football, you want to stay on your toes. I mean, really in all sports. It doesn't matter if it's tennis. It doesn't matter if it's basketball, baseball, football. You want to stay on your toes. Why? Because when you're on your toes, you can move. You can make a move. You can forward, backwards. But you rock back on your heels. In basketball, whoom, somebody's going to blow right by you. In football, you're, gonna just, you're about to get blown up. 
if you don't stay on your heels. I remember, I do remember one game in high school. We, we, I was still pretty young, sophomore, and we were a young team, and we were playing against a really big team um, um, from, from another county. And, and they were just, they were whooping our hind in. And they had this fullback who was gonna go play Division I football somewhere. And he was just a stud, right? He was a man amongst boys. And so we're at our home field. It's the fourth quarter. It's a goal line stand. They had marched again. And there was just something inside of me that was just like, come on, this is the one. You're not getting this one. You may have wiped the floor with us all night long, but not this one. And so I, I was a safety, which means I was the furthest back you can be in the defense. And so I line up. The ball is snapped. The lines collide. And it's like a parting of the Red Sea, okay? They hand the ball off to this Division I prospect. And you could have driven a Volkswagen through the hole in the line. And the only thing between him and the end zone is going to be me. And so I run forward. I plant myself on the goal line. Boom! Collision. I open my eyes and I'm staring at the lights and he is dancing on my head in the end zone. That's exactly what happened. He just plowed right over me. Why? Because I plant my heels on the ground. This is where I am. This is what I do. This is my seat. Pastor, somebody's in my seat this morning. You know, I don't do that. You know, I've never done that before. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do that. You know, why would I start now? I don't know. I tried that once before. Oh, no, no, that, that, that happened. That, and we, we sit, we rest back and we, and we don't behold on our heels, ready to go. God's saying, I'm doing something new. Are you ready? Are you on your toes? Or are you living in the past? Are you looking for what God did the last time? Or are you looking for God to do something new? Are you wallowing in your sorrows? Are you pointing fingers? Well, if I had what they had, well, if I had that gift, well, if I had their money, well, if I was married to him instead of married to this hunk of junk, if I was married, you know, but, right? I think this is one reason why Jesus performed miracles differently every single time. To just keep people on your toes, right? Doing something new. One time a blind guy shows up and Jesus mm, just says the word. Poof, eyes are healed. Another blind guy shows up. Jesus lays a hand on him. Boom, eyes are healed. Another blind guy shows up. I need to heal Jesus. I'll heal you. You hear Jesus messing around in the dirt. What's that, Jesus? Don't you worry about it. No, 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 Jesus. I think it's so. Just do the hand thing, Jesus. Don't, I don't think we need the. No, 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 no. Come on. Why? Is the magic in the spit, in the mud? No. Does Jesus always, does God always speak from burning bushes? No. And so many people looking for the next burning bush. I'm looking for the next revival. I want that thing that was, remember that thing we went to? Oh, well, why don't we do that song anymore? Because when we sing that song, that's when God moves. <laughs> that song somehow unleashes the power of God better than the new song. You know, this new song must constrain his power somehow. I don't know what it is. 
We, we look to the old thing and I think God is saying, behold, behold, I'm going to do a new thing. I know you're down. I know you're tired. Don't wallow in the past. Don't point fingers. Open your eyes. I want to do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. What's he going to do? It said he's going to make roads in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Right? And we love that. Amen. Roads in the wilderness. Jesus name. Come on. Freeways. Hallelujah. Rivers in the desert. Yes. What we forget is that if there's going to be a road in the wilderness, it's because we're going to go through some wilderness. If there's a river in the desert, what he's saying, get ready because you're going to spend some time in the desert. And we get shocked. When we get our bell rung, we get shocked when we go through this wilderness. We get shocked when we're going through the desert. Oh, why why is this happening to me? And I don't understand. And God, don't you hear me? And don't you love me? But hear me. He said, I'm making a road through the desert, not a hotel. We're not going to camp there. Don't stay there. We're just passing through. We're passing through the wilderness. We're passing through the desert. Come on, my pastor growing up said, when you're going through hell, don't stop. Keep moving. We're just passing through depression. We're just passing through anxiety. We're just passing through grief. We're just passing through sickness. We're just passing through addiction. We're just passing through bankruptcy. We're just passing through sorrow. It's it's temporary. Behold, I'm going to do a new thing. Watch him. Watch the Lord. Keep your eyes on him. He's shifty. He moves. He's always doing something new. Stay on his heels. Don't settle where you are. Don't get comfortable. Don't get comfortable in the mess. Don't say this is just the way it's always going to be. So I'm just is just the way it is and I'm just stuck right here and sit there in it. Come on, tell your neighbor, don't settle. Don't settle. Don't settle. I think... I think of the Israelites. The Israelites, um, they're wandering in the wilderness all this time. The whole time they're in the wilderness, they were not allowed to build a permanent residence. Not even for the Lord. They weren't allowed to build a permanent residence for the Lord. Why? Because the Lord was saying, this is not your home. Don't get used to living in the wilderness. It's temporary. We're going to the promised land. We're going to the promised land. We're going to the promised land. Listen, pathway. This is wilderness. This whole life, it's wilderness. The promised land is ahead. This world is not our home. And I think we've got a whole lot of Christians busy trying to live like heaven here on earth instead of living for heaven while on earth. We think, well, if I just had that house and if I just had that vacation, if I just could carry that purse, if I could buy those shoes, if I could, if I could live in that neighborhood, then, then it would be good. Then it would be good. And it's still not enough. Still doesn't feel like heaven. Still seems temporary. I still go to bed with an emptiness in my stomach. I still go to bed thinking there's got to be something more. And it's because there is something more. Don't settle. Don't settle. Don't settle pathway. Listen, I love that this room is full. Don't look around and say, this is good. We've got a great church. Ah, look what the Lord has done. And settle. Because there's still lost people in your neighborhood. There's still lost people in your schools. There's still lost people at your workplace. And as long as heaven and hell are realities, you've got to keep making more room. You've got to keep adding outreach. You've got to keep making room for children. You've got to keep adding small groups. You've got to keep building out. Whatever it is that God's put in the... you, You don't ever settle.
Don't rest back. God wants to do a new thing. He wants to do a new thing. Shall you not see it? Shall you not see it? You got to don't hold. You've got to behold. And the third way to get back up when you've taken a blow is you have to take hold. You have to take hold. Come on, one more time. Somebody say take hold. Take hold. Worship team's coming on up. That's just fine. Take hold. Don't take hold of me. Say, what do you mean take hold, pastor? What I mean is we have a part to play. We have a part to play. God isn't going to just send an angel to come down while you're on the mat and just pick you up and, 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 and help you out and put some stuff and say, come on, buddy, you can make it. You can do it. Keep on. I'm going to just help you. I'm going to make it. Now, listen, he's our helper, the Holy Spirit. He's the parakletos. He comes alongside of us. Yes, he is our helper. But hear me, he's not going to do it for you. I hear so many Christians, well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. to. Well, you're going to maybe wait in a while. He may be waiting on you, you know. Well, I'm just, I'm just praying for the right thing to come along. Well, listen, it's gonna, you're going to miss the right thing if you're stuck down there sitting wallowing in your stuff. Instead of get out and knock on some doors. Some single guys, well, I'm just waiting for the right person. Well, maybe you should put some deodorant on, a shirt with a collar, and leave the mom and dad's basement and go try to meet somebody. I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying he loves you. He cares about you. But we have a part to play. When we're going through a tough time, when we're down, when we're feeling out, we've got a job and it's to take hold. Okay, pastor, how do we take hold? We take hold with our praise. It's with our praise. When you're down, he's not asking much of you. He's not saying you got to do it all. He's not saying you've got to have a whole lot of strength. He's not saying you've got to jump back to your feet and put a smile on your face and pretend like everything's okay. No, 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 no. You just have to begin to praise him. Verse 21, what did I say? say? He says, this people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. Why? Because when you begin to praise God, something begins to shift inside of you. When you begin to praise God, your perspective changes. All of a sudden, what seemed to be so big and what seemed to be so scary and what seemed to be so ugly, it begins to fade to the background and God begins to move to the foreground. When you're laying on the ground and all you see is that, that enemy, that fighter standing over the top of you that's just knocked you to the ground. I don't know what your enemy may be today. And it's standing over you. When you begin to praise God, when you begin to lift your voice, when you begin to glorify Him, God comes into the picture. Your perspective changes and he comes between you and that enemy, you and that problem. And when you do that, it doesn't matter how big this is. God just gets bigger and bigger. The closer and closer he comes, the bigger and the bigger he gets to you. Hear me today. 
you may be down and the count is going one two pastor you don't know what the doctor has said three four it just doesn't feel the same in my marriage as it used to and I don't know what I need to do to try to rekindle that flame and I'm scared it's too late five six my kids just seem so far they don't hear a word that I have to say they won't even come to the house they don't even respond to my text messages seven eight my finances have never been like this before you don't know the hurt in my heart it's so hard for me to even just get out of bed in the morning whatever it may be hear me the count is going but if you can just begin to crawl back to your feet if you can just begin to put a little bit of weight on those legs if you can just begin listen how do we do it we begin to praise we begin to say God you are good even when I don't see it I trust you even when I don't understand I believe in you even when it doesn't make sense to me I know you're sovereign you are in control you are holy you are worthy I love you Jesus no matter what you can claim Micah 7 verse 8 where the prophet says do not gloat over me my enemies for though I fall, I will rise again. Come on, say that with me. I will rise again. Declare it. I will rise again. Can we do that? Stand to our feet. Come on, say it together, church. 